Hi, my name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 16. We're going to be reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Genesis 29 and 30, Job 19 and 20, Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 8. Genesis 29. Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country, with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherd would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're we're from Haran, they replied. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked them, Is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter Rachel with the sheep. Look, he said, the sun is still high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to pasture. We can't, they replied, until all the flock are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well, then we will water the sheep. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban has had two daughters. The names of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It's better that I give give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is complete and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought her together, all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave her servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give you give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. 
When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because of the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, he con- she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Then she said, here is Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and I too can build a family through her. So she gave him to her servant Bilhah as a wife. Jacob slept with her, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again, bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had great struggle with my sister, and I have won. So she named him Zaphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, What good fortune! So she named him Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am! The woman will call me happy. So she named him Asher. During wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight and return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. So she named him Ishakar. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with the honor because I have borne him six sons. So she called him Nebulon. Sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, if I found favor in your eyes, please stay. I've learned my divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? He asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove them from them. Every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages and my honesty will testify 
testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them and all the dark colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from popular almond and plane trees and made white strips stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches, and they bore young young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the strong females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Job 19. Then Job replied, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me. Shamelessly you attack me. If it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and draw his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my path in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my female servants count me a foreigner. They look on me as on a stranger. I summon my servant, but he does not answer. Though I beg him with my own mouth, my breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. If you say, how will... We hound him. Soon the root of the troubled lies in him. You should fear the sword yourselves, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword, and then you will know that there is judgment. Then Zophar the the Namathite replied, My troubled thoughts prompt me to answer, because I am greatly disturbed. I hear a rebuke that dishonors me, and my understanding inspires me to reply, Sure you know how it has been from of old, ever since mankind was placed on the earth. 
that the mirth of the wicked is brief, the joy of the godless lasts but a moment. Though the pride of the godless person reaches to the heavens and his head touches the clouds, he will perish forever like his own dung. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? Like a dream he flies away, no more to be found, banished like a vision of the night. The eyes that saw him will not see him again. His place will look on him no more. His children must have amends to the poor. His own hands must give back his wealth. The youthful vigor that fills his bones will lie with him in the dust. Though evil is sweet in his mouth and he hides it under his tongue, though he cannot bear it to let it go and let, lets it linger in his mouth, yet his food will turn sour in his stomach. It will become the venom of the serpent within him. He will spit out the riches he swallowed. God will make his stomach vomit them up. He will suck the poison of serpents. The fangs of an adder will kill him. He will not enjoy the streams, the, the rivers flowing with honey and, and cream. What he toiled for, he must give back, uneaten. He will not enjoy the profit from his trading, for he has oppressed the poor and left them destitute. He has seized houses he did not build. Surely he will have no respite from his craving. He cannot save himself by his treasure. Nothing is left for him to devour. His prosperity will not endure. In the midst of his plenty, distress will overtake him. The full force of misery will come upon him. When he has filled his belly, God will vent his burning anger against him and rain down his blows on him. Though he flees from an iron weapon, a bronze-tipped arrow pierced him. He pulled it out of his back, the gleaming point out of his liver. Terrors will come over him. Total darkness lies in wait for his treasures. A fire unfanned will consume him and devour what is left in his tent. The heavens will expose his guilt. The earth will rise up against him. A flood will carry off his house, rushing waters on the day of God's wrath. So is the fate God allotted the wicked, the heritage appointed for them by God. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Ah, okay, so two days ago on day 13, we talked about the really cool pattern of brides, grooms, wells, and Jesus as the living water, the Messiah, the bridegroom with his followers, his church as the bride. So we see this scenario again here with Rachel and Jacob. And then zooming into this story, I think it's interesting to note that Rachel is the shepherd in this story and that Jacob is helping her to shepherd by rolling away the stone to give water to the sheep. He's being a blessing. It's a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of hope. Then he kisses her and weeps aloud. Hmm. This seems like a response somewhat, something like winning the lottery. So again, I think we're moving back to uh, trying to bless oneself. After all, we read that Rachel was beautiful with a lovely figure. But Jacob wants to, in quotes, earn Rachel, maybe because he ran away and had nothing to show for himself or given or give her, which or the, his family, which was customary. The passage describes Leah's eyes as weak. I'd like to talk about that for a second because that always like confused me a little bit because, well, let's be honest, I don't know Hebrew. So two of the most common interpretations I've read is that she was unattractive, that that's what this means. And I hear this most often from Christian commentators and commentary. But I thought it was interesting that in the Jewish tradition, it seems, it seems like 
that both um, Leah and Rachel were considered beautiful women, according to John Parsons, the director of Hebrew for Christian Ministries. The Hebrew word in this case for weak can also mean soft or tender, and the interpretation could have been Leah's eyes were made weak. So John Parsons noted the Midrash describes how Leah's eyes were reddened and puffy because she was constantly lamenting the prospect of marrying Esau. So the adage was that Laban's two daughters, Leah and Rachel, Leah being the oldest, Rachel the second, were to marry Esau and Jacob. So Esau being the oldest, Jacob the second of Isaac and Rebekah. So in this interpretation, Leah's greatest fear was to be forced to undergo a marriage with Esau because she wept to be the mother of the righteous. In this interpretation, God saw her tears and blessed her by making her the most fruitful of all four of the matriarchs of Israel. It was through her descendants, specifically Judah, that King David and later Jesus came, while Rachel's son will lead to Joseph and the tribe of Benjamin, which is also very important in the history of Israel. It does seem like Leah was called into Jesus's rescue mission to bring the serpent crusher Jesus, which is a pretty special, special thing. This was interesting for me to learn about because I had always felt so bad for Leah to be married and unloved in this polygamous relationship. But that's not to say that she was blameless because she made similar choices to Sarah, which, um, well, to remember Abraham and Sarah and to Rachel, which we will learn about later. So I have no idea how Jacob could have been deceived in in this uh, particular way. I mean, I just can't imagine in our culture, in my time, I just can't imagine you don't realize that you've married the wrong person. But I mean, the passage says nothing about, you know, whether cultural traditions were involved or drunkenness, but it suggests, uh, I just find it mind boggling how this is possible. And then my brain goes to, if it is possible, how incredibly dehumanizing. But then I'm just like, I think maybe I just don't know, or maybe I'm missing the point. Jacob significantly deceived his brother and got uh, birthright and blessing. And now here, he's being significantly uh, deceived. And all the way back to the very first stories um, in the Bible, particularly Genesis 3, this idea of choice and deception, and you can either live in what God has designed for you, or you can take what you want to, and you can make your own rules, and you can try to pursue the kind of uh, goodness or wrong goodness, badness, profit that you want to. So the pattern is remaining. So notice how Jacob asked Laban in a similar way to the other stories we have heard Uh, He's like, what is this you've done? Which is very similar to what God said when Adam and Eve did what they weren't supposed to do. So deception and the wrong choice is a reoccurring theme. And I don't want to get too distracted from the bigger picture, the unified story of what's happening. Because I believe in a trust and a trust in a good God. Then notice how God blessed Leah in conception and not Rachel. And notice Rachel did not call out to God, nor did Jacob. So in the last story... Uh, with Jacob's parents, Isaac prays on behalf of his wife, Rebecca, so that she can conceive. And then when Rebecca has questions about her baby, she uh, calls on God. So they again, they're not calling on God here. So remember his father, Isaac, had called out to God on behalf. We've got all that. Then they made the same wrong and disordered decision as Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, and grandmother, Sarah, did. He took a servant woman more than once, and not just not just one. Uh, he, he took 
two different sisters and then two different slaves and had all these children. So again, there's all this taking. Take, take, take. Take what we want. Um, there's uh, rivalry. And they make all of these sexually disordered decisions from Genesis 2 and, and non-one-flesh types of relationships. So disorder, disorder, disorder. One other thing I want to qualify is that when Rachel wants uh, Leah's son Rubens, the mandrakes he found, just to qualify, my understanding is that mandrakes were like a plant that was essentially a medicine to stimulate fertility and conception. So that's what she was trading there. And then a couple of people to just focus on that we're introduced to in this story is Dinah is born to Leah. So this daughter will be an important part of future stories. And uh, Rachel finally had Joseph, who will quickly become a very important figure in the story. And also note that the last story that we read today is Jacob being a little tricky again with Laban and the spots and the husbandry of animals and reproducing um so he's being a bit tricky again oh jacob pray for me i'm praying for you my prayer is this found in philippians 1 9 through 11 that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.